Heads up, this episode contains sensitive content. We're talking about suicide and swear words. So if you're not ready for that, pause here and take a break now. You're listening from the Wallflowers. I'm your host, Jasmine. On this episode, we're debunking the myth of staying in a psychiatric unit in Hong Kong, together with my personal experience in Melbourne. This week, we're with Lavenda, not her real name, by the way, who's going to share us with her time inside the unit. How do you relate to mental health issues? 咁情緒問題其實喺十年都係一個誒對我幾重要嘅 issue。Mental health has centered in my life for more than ten years. I suffered from anxiety and depression. I also have some symptoms of borderline personality disorder. That I have an unstable sense of self. For most of the days, I want to die. Say, when you walk down the stairs, I'll think that I'll trip over and die. Or when I look out of the window from a building, I see myself fall and die. I can't stop thinking about dying. Can you use an adjective to describe your journey about your mental health struggle? I think the word contradiction. On one hand, you want to meet others' expectation, while on the other, you wish to be yourself. So here comes the dilemma and end up. You're stuck in between, and it feels dreadful. I saw one of your、uh, Facebook status mentioning something about mental health, and then I just texted you like, "Oh, I'm actually having things staying in Australia," and was hoping that maybe send some mere positivity to you. You mentioned your experience in Hong Kong psychiatric ward. Do you mind tell us more about that? 我睇醫生咧就喺北角嘅，咁但係我就住喺九龍啦。My GP's clinic is in North Point, but I live on the Kowloon side. It's a huge struggle for me to go there every time, as it's bloody far away. I missed my doctor appointment that time, and turned out that I ran out of drugs. If I skip my drugs even for a day, I'll have difficulty in breathing, and my heart will race. It feels like the fuse boxes in your brain cut off the power. You just can't move. That time, I was emotionally unstable and physically unable to visit the clinic on my own. I rang my boyfriend, but he was busy at work. I also called my other friend about it, but she didn't really know how to respond to me. After finishing the calls, I felt extremely desperate, so I considered to hang myself. When did this story happen? I guess one and a half year ago. After you called your boyfriend, then what did you do? When I cannot express my pain, my depression turns into a surge of anger. I'll fall into the trap, especially at times when I'm out of control. I think that doing dangerous activities is a way out. At that time, I was not feeling well, both mentally and physically, as I didn't take my regular drugs, and I felt really, really bad. I I even got my belt and told myself, I have to hang myself up there. 无论如何都一定要吊上去噶啦，咁样咯。Who discovered that you were having this kind of serious attempt, and why did you appear in the psychiatric ward later? After my boyfriend received my call, he realized that it was something very serious, so he rushed back to our home by taxi. Later, he told me that he was so scared that when he hopped off from the cab, 
He looked up by instinct to check whether I had jumped off the building. <laughs> After he comforted me, we went to the clinic together. I was still petrified after crying, so, so I got my, myself a pair of sunglasses. The receptionist in the clinic saw me and was dumbfounded. I visited my GP and he believed that I should go to the hospital. I also had an experience of ending my life when I was in Australia. How did you feel at that time? I would rather die than going there. I couldn't imagine what was happening. And it was really, really scary. I had no idea what to do, so all I did was just wait, waiting for the ambulance to come. I was being hospitalized in an acute psychiatric ward, which is uh, the most serious one. I have no idea what happened over there. When you arrived at the hospital, what did you actually do? When I arrived at the hospital, the paramedics there already knew that I failed in a suicidal attempt. I couldn't even speak a word. Basically, if you had the risk of suicide, they automatically send you to the psychiatric ward. They kept my phone, I had to change for the patient's uniform. They also got rid of any possible item that might allow me to harm myself. I remember the very first night when I was trying to fall asleep. Somebody in the ward screamed and even came to my bed and threw away my bed sheets. I, 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 was, I was so frightened. Some of the patients there may have stayed, or, or should I use the word, trapped, uh, trapped in there for more than decades. You don't know when you can get out. The environment there sucked. It's really a total different uh, situation when I was in the mental health unit in Australia. Uh, there are several differences. For example, uh, I can actually have my own cell phone, which helped me a lot because I can talk to my friends and family or at least I have, have some external support. And, but there are also times that I need to give away my stuff. Uh, I was being search my bag. Uh, I've got a laptop. If I have to use my laptop, I've had to go to the office. If I have to charge my phone, I need it to go to the office directly for the wires because they are afraid that the wires would like uh, entangle my neck or some kind of suicidal attempt. I think it's similar in, in the way as Hong Kong. Can you describe the environment of the mental health unit when you were being admitted? The patients inside suffered from all sorts of mental illness. I was in a female ward and people were from mixed age groups. All of us wore numbered uniform. Those who wore glasses, the glasses themselves were being numbered too. The distinct difference compared to normal wards was that you couldn't find any possible objects to kill yourself there. For example, they didn't serve me with metal forks and knives in meals. When my friends visited me, they were required to remove their shoelaces and rubber bands. That was your first and only experience in the hospital, right? Yes, I stayed there for three days. I spent a lot of time waiting for the doctor to come. It's hard to find any doctor in that unit, so I could only wait. Once the doctor believes that you're okay, you're off to go. How frequent could you see the doctor at that time? Well, 
I could only see him when I first admitted to the hospital and the time when I was approved to leave the unit. The doctors were not always there. Was it just like other other wards in Hong Kong? In the room, you've got a lot of beds, and then you have to share the whole room with others. Do you have your private space? Of course, no. The setting was quite similar to the normal ones. Here in the mental health unit, some patients were tied up. Our mental illnesses varied in a huge degree of severity. Some of them stayed there for so long. Some cried suddenly, some yelled, and some mumbled to themselves or shouted at you. It's horrifying because you didn't know what's going on. In terms of showering, you'll be monitored by nurses while doing so. And I felt like, like a prisoner. Now, I'm really grateful for my experience, though it's still not a good one. Every patient in the ward can have their own room. Though I stay there for a night, I remember during a day time I actually had a barbecue party, which is a monthly event, which I was really lucky. But other than though I stay there for a night, that we would go to the gym as a team, do some exercise, or we would have some group activities like drawings or doing word puzzles. I still kept my word puzzle in my home as a souvenir from the ward. Whether any social workers would visit the ward and ask you how were you feeling from time to time, what did you do in the remaining time? Were there any activities arranged for patients who were in the mental health unit? I slept on my bed to kill time. There were no special functions, except nurses kept checking on you and providing you with meals. We had regular visiting hours for friends to come. And there's also a limited period of free time when you could hang out in the common area, like a pantry. You could watch the telly or meet your new friends. There were not much differences between a prison and there. Had you ever asked the nurses over there, when can I get out of here? I did ask when I was being sent off to the unit. The nurses just replied that you have to wait for the doctors. The one who holds your destiny is the doctors, not us. So I didn't ask any further. I thought if you behaved panicky, you would have little chance to be discharged. So I waited. I remember the time I was being, being on my bed. I was really depressed and I called my boyfriend back then. Okay, I'm going to heat myself, like with the walls. <laughs> I'm going to end my life today. And when I woke up, I just suddenly feel a surge of optimism, a positivity. And I kept telling everyone in the ward that, hey, I'm going to leave the hospital today like a maniac. <laughs> and I told them I, I really crave for kimchi dumplings. And I would go back to my dorm and cook this tonight for my supper. I'm not going to stay here any longer. So yeah, I think I had a different uh, reaction compared to that. I heard a lot of your descriptions that you were afraid to show your true emotions, like fear inside that room. How did you feel that, that kind of suppression inside the wall? I quite agree with you that pretending that you were fine was the only way to get out there. The original idea for keeping you in a mental health unit is to protect you and the people around you. Other than the space provided, there's a lack of support. Patients don't know about their rights and relevant information. So locking them up in the hospital makes them more scared and it doesn't help them. 
I was really in my nerves. In Australia, there is actually a legal order for me to, to be admitted into the hospital because I exhibited suicidal attempt and it is under the law that um, I had to stay in the hospital until I passed an assessment uh, assessed by a bunch of panelists, including psychologists, psychiatrists, normal doctors, social workers. I have to be interviewed by them each by each. And then after I passed those tests, I could finally go home. When did you realize there is actually a legal enforcement about um, this kind of societal behavior happening in uh, emotionally unstable people. I only knew this after I was being admitted to the hospital. I recalled that my GP advised me to go to the hospital as he thought this was a safer option. He carefully picked the words, like using the term suggesting. I initially thought that whether going to the health unit was on my call. Indeed, I had no choice at all. Then after you are being discharged from the hospital, were there any follow-up actions? I was required to attend the outpatient services for a month only. Afterwards, I'm on my own. So, an overall picture, what were your comments about the Hong Kong's mental health support in, in the healthcare system? It's a desperate fight, like you're cornered with wild beasts. There are insufficient resources and support. The system is like a continuous production of medical services, a mass production where doctors are specialized in that and nurses for another stuff. Their jobs are only keeping you alive. You don't feel if they really care about whether you can fully recover from your disorders. I suppose everyone expects to have better care from the hospital, but that's not the case for me. I feel more distressing because I worry that I have to be in this vicious cycle forever. I sometimes joke about this with my friends. If I have to end my life next time, I need to make sure that I die because I hate to be in there. What kind of support that you are having now um, after you being discharged from the hospital? After I got discharged from the hospital, my GP's clinic coincidentally hires an additional counselor who manages mental health cases like mine. He's the one who majorly assesses my situation and I still have to see my GP sometime to adjust my drug dosage. I benefit a lot from talking with my counselor, and I feel calmer than before. I start to do exercise. I chose to write for expressing my emotions. Looking back, I'm really grateful for having friends who genuinely accept the way I am. Do you feel like this financial burden could be one of the factors that add up your stress in this emotional health situation? Surely, it contributes. Back when I was at my university, I took up the tutor job to earn some money. The medical fee ate up around half to 80% of my income every month. You know, I was already very depressed and had low working productivity. It's tough for me to have a decent amount of income. It was a long-term stress for me a few years ago. 
Coming from a mental health patient perspective, what do you think this community need the most at this moment? 想死嘅人其實唔係真係想死啦，係因為佢真係好痛苦，佢佢要其實只係嗰一下嘅衝動。The people who think about suicide are not the ones who really want to end their lives. The thinking is driven by a sudden recklessness. Deep down, I really appreciate the people who care about the issue of mental health. I know more and more people are aware of it, and they use different channels to draw attention. For example, they use a more relaxing tone to present what mental illnesses are through infographics on Facebook pages. This can illustrate some of the truth about mental health disorders, because sometimes, even for the patients themselves, they they don't really know about them. These all sorts of supports can calm down your nerves, because you know you're not alone. You can take reference from others' similar experience. And possibly know what to do. Uncertainty creates strong fear. 恐惧都系因为嗰种未知，你完全唔知道可以点样。Everyone has their own difficult time. In your case, a time when you were trying to hang yourself. Now you look back, and what kind of words would you like to tell yourself at that time? 原来生同死真系真系好，你真系可以讲话叫一线之间真系。There's really a fine line between life and death. If I go back to time, I would tell myself that I didn't really want to die. All this suicidal attempt is an act of recklessness. If you wait for another five minutes, the results may be already very different. Remember that suicide is not your own decision; it's an uncontrollable impulse that can pass. This is not your decision. It's just a feeling you can't control. If you have been affected by anything we talked about, please call the Samaritans at twenty eight ninety six four zeros. That's a Hong Kong number, and you can also go to their website at samaritans.org, or just talk to your friends and family. Trust me, they're always there for you. From the Wolf Towers is a weekly podcast about Hong Kong-based mental health stories, produced by myself, Jasmine Lai, and credits to Lavenda. Hope you can find calmness like its name. And also thanks to Kelly Chiu, you're the MVP at Voiceover. Till next week, bye.